the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Well, protest seems to be the order of the day as we enter Labor Day weekend. I'm Bruce Hooley. This is the Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you along on 94.5 in Dayton and on 98.9 in Columbus. Uh, Lenny Riefenstahl Enterprises brought you the Joe Biden speech last night. Uh, the red background, the uh, militaristic muscle behind the president uh, looked a lot like 1930s Germany. And of course, you are the fascist in this little uh, role play that Joe Biden is playing. That's one protest. The other protest will unfold starting tonight at 5 o'clock in front of Columbus Police Headquarters. It is the first of three protests that are planned this weekend in the aftermath of the police shooting death of 20-year-old Donovan Lewis. Uh, This happened just uh, after about 2 a.m. on uh, Wednesday, shortly after midnight. He was in an apartment. He did not come to the door when police knocked on the door, yelled outside the door, banged on the door, brought a police dog into his apartment. He did not come out. He did not open his bedroom door. The police opened the bedroom door, and he was shot. I've seen the body cam video, and it really kind of depends on whether you are someone who agrees with the president and with other progressives that... All people who commit crimes and are charged with crimes are innocent because they're misunderstood or because of circumstances they grew up in or because of bad decisions they made in the moment. Or whether you believe that it's reasonable to comply with police orders and not do things that heighten the edginess of a police officer who, upon entering any kind of situation with a civilian, a suspected criminal or a wanted felon, and uh, Mr. Lewis was the latter, uh, you understand why cops do what cops do when they do things that result in people dying in the line of duty. Sometimes it's the officer, sometimes it's someone else. It kind of depends on your political perspective. Uh, I want to make clear that I have not made a judgment as to whether or not the officer in this case who fired his weapon at Donovan Lewis, I don't have enough information to make a judgment as to whether or not he was correct in firing his weapon. I've read, of course, the opinion of Donovan Lewis's attorney, who is uh, of the opinion that Donovan Lewis did nothing wrong, and that, uh, let me read you what uh, Rex Elliott, the attorney, says of Donovan Lewis. Uh, He's a, quote, typical 20-year-old kid with a ton of friends. He was a very good person and loved very much. I'm sure he was loved very much. I saw his family members there. They're understandably brokenhearted over losing 
a young man entering the prime of his life. A typical 20-year-old kid? I don't have a 20-year-old kid. I have an 18-year-old kid. Uh, She's never been charged with uh, domestic violence, felony mishandling of a firearm, or assault. My guess is the typical 20-year-old is not wanted on felony charges. So I don't know about how typical. Maybe in his neighborhood that's typical. But if that's Rex Elliott's opinion, I think that's a racist opinion to say that the typical 20-year-old is wanted by a felony in that neighborhood. Uh, But Rex Elliott is an advocate. He's trying to put uh, the best face on this that he can. So we should take everything that he says with a grain of salt, including this. I'd like to know why in the world they're executing warrants at 2 in the morning. The reality is felony warrants are executed every day in daylight hours. There's no reason for it to be served in the middle of the night. I'm going to assume Rex Elliott is an accomplished attorney. And in this case, he is saying something that he knows not to be true because he certainly knows that the reason officers serve warrants in the middle of the night on suspected violent felons, and if you punch your pregnant girlfriend and you're charged with felony mishandling of a firearm, I think it's fair to say you are a suspected violent felon. The time to serve that warrant is A, middle of the night, because that's the most likely time for them to be home, because the serving of the warrant requires the actual contact between you and the person upon whom the warrant is to be served. And the other aspect of the middle of the night serving of the warrant is because, have you ever been suddenly awakened in the middle of the night? Are you sharp, thinking clearly, able to make snap decisions as best you can at that point? Or are you slightly off your game, disoriented, maybe a little ill at ease? See, the police officers serving a warrant on someone who's a suspected violent felon would prefer to catch you in the latter state rather than in the former state. So that is another reason why they serve these warrants in the middle of the night. And then uh, Mr. Elliott says that officers need more understanding of the circumstances the people in the communities they are policing are going through. See, this is, again, this is the political opinion. Mr. Elliott clearly advocates for the criminal is the victim. The criminal is the victim. He says the officers need a better understanding of the circumstances the people in the communities they are policing are going through particularly historically underserved communities. I just look at it as a issue of right and wrong, legal or illegal. I don't really give much sway for your circumstances when you punch or are alleged to have punched your pregnant girlfriend and you mishandled a firearm. That to me is not a circumstances of your upbringing issue. That is a reflection of your character, a reflection of your recognition of right and wrong. It is a reflection of your elevated self-esteem where you feel like whatever you can do, you should be able to do. You shouldn't suffer any circum- any kind of penalty for that. I have a question. Yes. What's the, the phrase underserved? Yes. What, what's, what's that mean in his context? I would think that underserved would mean that it is um, impoverished, below the typical standard of prosperity, I would think. Okay. Underserved. I just wondered. I'm just guessing. I don't yeah, know. I don't it's know. a buzzword. I'm not sure either. Yeah, That's it's why a buzzword. It's a buzzword that he throws out. 
mm-hmm. that uh, sounds good. And this, to me, is a case of, and another case of, a situation where something very bad happens that everybody would like to not have happened. And we focus on the final piece of a very complex puzzle that results in the death of a young, either criminal or suspected criminal. Or the shooting, like Jacob Blake, the guy in Kenosha, Wisconsin, who was shot nine times in the back after he fought with police, after he pulled a knife, after he was trying to leave with children who he did not have legal custody of, like Rayshard Brooks in Atlanta, the guy at the Wendy's who was fine, compliant for 45 minutes, and the officers went to put handcuffs on him. He freaks out. He grabs a taser. He runs. He tries to shoot the officers with a taser. If he shoots the... And this is what the officers are thinking. If he gets my gun, he's already shot me with a taser. What will keep him from shooting me with my gun? And so they fire, and Rayshard Brooks ends up dead. These are always... And you can pick any one you want to pick. Pick the Minneapolis situation where the guy re, re, resists arrest. Not George Floyd, the other guy, the one that resulted in the female cop going to jail. The complex puzzle is never just the final piece of the puzzle. It's all the events that lead up to it, which are always a series, sometimes a very long series, of very bad, very unwise decisions by the person who ends up, in the case of Donovan Lewis, dead, in the case of Jacob Blake, shot in the back and paralyzed, we always blame, well, the police shot him. Uh, police shouldn't have shot their gun. Well, A, if you obey the law, you're not wanted on an outstanding warrant. Now, that's not to say that if you're wanted on an outstanding warrant, you deserve to be shot. Not at all. You're t- entitled to due process and a fair trial. But if, like Richard Brooks, you fall asleep in the drive through line at a Wendy's and the cops are called, and then you, after spending 45 minutes with them, grab a taser and run... Those are bad decisions, okay? Those are really bad decisions by Rayshard Brooks. Jacob Blake fighting with cops, not submitting to arrest when you are at a property where you have a restraining order. Those are bad decisions by Rayshard Brooks. Donovan Lewis, bad decision if he's guilty of domestic violence and all that. Bad decision not to open the door of your apartment. And this is according to the official timeline of the incident. After the police began knocking loudly on the door, yelling for him to open the door 20 times over 8 minutes and 45 seconds, repeatedly shouting, telling Lewis and any occupants of the apartment to open the door. They didn't open the door. While continuing to knock, officer shouts for the first time to the inhabitants of the apartment, Hey, it's Columbus police. Officers will identify themselves as police while shouting at least a half dozen more times. Then they go into the apartment. Two guys say, ah, we don't know if there's anybody else in the apartment or not. (laughs) Then they release a police dog. The police dog goes to the door and barks. So again, bad decisions lead to bad circumstances. And these will all be protested multiple times over the weekend in Columbus. And, And kudos to the Lewis family. They are requesting that the protests stay peaceful. So I'd be curious to get your feedback and opinion if you watched the Joe Biden speech last night from Independence Hall in Philadelphia. 
Uh, that's a sacred place. I visited Independence Hall in Philadelphia when I was a uh, very young man. Went with my family on the one vacation we took um, during the days of my youth. And that is where not just American history was made. That's where America began. That's where the Declaration of Independence was written. That's where the Constitution of the United States was written. Uh, the Liberty Bell is there. It's uh, really invigorating to be where the great men of our founding uh, came together, pooled their ideas, debated the merit of those ideas, and formed our government. And I can only imagine how uh, offended they would be by the scene last night where Joe Biden comes out uh, behind bulletproof glass, which I get, you know, I get it. It's a security measure. Uh, But it is another item of separation between the leader of our country and the people that he is charged with leading. Bathed in, like, creepy red light. I don't know what they were going for. Understand, nothing that happens at an event like that, from the height of the stage, the type of lectern, the quality of the sound the lighting, the background, every pot, every flower, every nuance is meticulously planned because the optics of a presidential visit are not to be overlooked. And so it's not an accident. It's not like Biden thought, wait, what? There were Marines behind me standing at attention? What? I Who okayed that? That's the uh, advanced team that does that. And they rehearsed probably 50 different shades of light. Even the time of the speech. Could have given the speech at noon. Could have given it at uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, we gave it at night. Prime time. Now, the networks did not cover it last night, which I thought was interesting. Which tells me that they're not as all in with this president as he wants them to be. And Joe Biden's mouthpiece, Corinne Jean-Pierre, said that this would be a policy speech, that it would not be a political speech. Well, I've never been a presidential speechwriter, but if I were, and we were 70 days from the midterms, and I were giving a policy speech, I would make sure that we discussed in the policy speech some issues that I perceive Americans are concerned about as it relates to policies, things like inflation, uh, the border, the fentanyl crisis, crime in our country, um, gas prices. I mean, he could highlight gas prices are coming down, right? He could take the credit for that. Uh, Maybe the cartels. You know, the cartels are bad. Everybody's pretty much united in the idea that the drug cartels are bad. Try to unite the country. Try to talk about things we can agree on. Try to... Get everybody on board with your messaging, right? If you're giving a policy speech, not a political speech, well, that would be the way to do it. But that's not the way he did it. Uh, Here is the way Joe Biden began his address last night to the nation, setting up what uh, would follow. But as I stand here tonight, equality and democracy are under assault. We do ourselves no favor to pretend otherwise. So tonight, I've come to this place where it all began, 
to speak as plainly as I can to the nation about the threats we face, about the power we have in our own hands to meet these threats, and about the incredible future that lies in front of us if only we choose it. Hmm. So we're, we're at a, you know, stark time in our country, and a tipping point time, a choose which side you're on time. And he said equality and democracy. Uh, did he ever get around to inflation, the border, crime, abortion, gas, fentanyl, cartels? No. Here are the words that were never, first of all, democracy was mentioned in his speech 25 times. MAGA Republicans were mentioned 13 times. Here are the words that were not mentioned even one time. Inflation, border, fentanyl, gas, abortion, crime, debt, border, cartels, prices, mortgage. None of those words, none, were mentioned one time in his policy speech last night. Uh, What did he mention? Well, he mentioned democracy, 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 democracy. Trump, 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 Maga, 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 Maga. Donald Trump and the Maga Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Now, I want to be very clear, very clear up front. Not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans mm. are MAGA Republicans. Mm. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. Mm. I know because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans. But there's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. Okay, so let me say a little word about MAGA. Okay. MAGA stands for Make America Great Again. Nowhere in that phrase is Donald Trump mentioned. Donald Trump's the originator of that phrase. He is not the object of that phrase. The object of that phrase is, if Joe Biden would turn around and look at Independence Hall, the object of that phrase is to get back to what America was founded to be. A country with secure borders, a country with a powerful presence on the international stage, a country that uh, does not hurt itself economically by uh, buying into an inane climate agenda, a country that keeps peace internationally by using its economic muscle, drilling domestically for oil, providing natural gas to Europe so that it's not enslaved to Russia. That's what America was designed to be. That's what those of us who embrace the America first, make America great again agenda want it to be. Donald Trump deserves credit for being the originator, the person who focused us on our mission to make America great again. But it is not evil, it is not anti-American to want America to be great again. And all you have to do now is look around and see what it's become under Joe Biden to see that it's definitely not great. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.